Great to see you today. Thanks for coming out. Thanks for joining us today as we worship the Lord and we dig in the Word of God. And just so glad that you're here. It wouldn't be the same without you. I just appreciate your time and, and just coming to, uh, to, to be with us and here at, at Community Bible Church. Um, again, if you are visiting with us today, thanks for coming. Um, you could be anywhere else for that matter. Any of you could be anywhere else right now. Well, within reason, I guess. If you had the money, I guess you could be anywhere else. But uh, uh, you chose to be here, and I so thank you for that. Thank you for coming. Thank you for worshiping the Lord with us today. Um, we're going to get right into this, so let's pray. And uh, you can see up on the screen, if you're taking notes, you can. Uh, that's where we're going. We're going to go to the book of James in just a moment. So uh, let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you, God, that the Word of God is alive and powerful. It is very real. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, there's so many promises about your word. Lord, that it is a light unto our path. It's a, it's a lamp unto our feet. And Lord God, as we look into your word today, I pray, God, that more than anything, Lord, as, as, as you're speaking through this book, uh, Lord, even to my own heart, God, that we would be courageous doers of the word. We would not just be hearers, but we would be doers of the word. Speak your word, illuminate the word. Holy Spirit, come, touch our hearts. Do in us what you want to do. It's in your name we pray, amen. So we will be going into James chapter 1. Um, over the next few weeks, um, we're going to be in the book of James um, we're going to be looking at some nuggets of wisdom from the book of James uh, in these next several weeks. I'm not doing an exhaustive verse-by-verse study of the book of James, but uh, I'm going to look at some principal themes that are very powerful from this book, things that the Lord challenges me, things that He has been speaking to my heart, and uh, so I'm going to, in turn, share my challenge and convictions with you. I don't want to be alone on that. But the Word of God is powerful. It is not boring. How many of you can say amen to that? The Word of God is not boring. If you think it's boring, just start reading it for a little while. I'm not sorry. Don't, don't start in Ecclesiastes or, or, you know, like Leviticus, somewhere like that. You're going to have, you know, it's going to be a little bit more difficult, but there are some nuggets. Now, it's all good. I'm not saying it's bad. Leviticus, all those laws point us to Jesus. It's all pointing us to Jesus. So it's not bad. I'm saying there are some great and powerful things, and it's not boring. Um, I encourage you over these next few weeks to read the book of James. Um, This past week, I've just kind of set myself, and I'm reading it every day, sometimes in a couple of different translations. And I'm trying to read it every single day that I'm going along here. So my goal within reason, I I actually didn't get a chance to read it yesterday, but it is, is to try to read it every day for this month. And I encourage you to read it Dig in the book, dig in the scriptures, look for those treasures that are there all through this book. Now let me tell you something about the book of James. You are going to be confronted and convicted. It will challenge you. It will pierce your heart in some places. But I encourage you to do that. Look for the treasures that are... uh, that are hidden in there. Realistically, we could probably do a whole, we could do six months to a year on this book alone, but uh, just over these next four weeks, I'm just going to be grabbing hold of some nuggets. This, this has so much active and practical 
application to it, and it will affect your life, I promise you. Um, just to give you a little backdrop on this, this was a circulation letter. You can see in James 1.1 1, 1, um, that he had written this to Jewish Christ followers, Jewish Christians that were scattered in uh, Gentile territories. And most likely they took this letter, you know, Paul would write to the church in Ephesus and it was, um, it was two places where, you know, they would gather as a group of believers, kind of like, you know, you know, we have the church here. Um, this, was, this was to Jewish believers that were scattered throughout Gentile areas. So it was a circulation letter. One group or house church or maybe a family or two would read it. Then they would pass it on to, to other groups that were scattered abroad. Um, this was written in a time where intense persecution of Christ followers were ha- was happening. That's a, one of the reasons why they were scattered abroad is they were running for their lives. I mean, they, it, the, the Jews were, 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 you know, that were against Christ were going after them, trying to arrest them. And so this was a circulation letter to this group of, of Christ followers that were scattered abroad. Most theologians agree that this James that wrote this letter was the half-brother of Jesus. How would you like that for sibling rivalry? If you can only be like, more like your brother, you know, I guess that, that would be a little more difficult. Um, but it was, a, it was a challenge. It's a letter to challenge believers to live out their faith practically, practically, practically that's practically and actively together. In Tennessee, we do that, practically. You catch those every now and again if you stay with me. But it was, it was a practical and very active letter to, to say, live out your faith in these ways. Um, interesting, if it was the half-brother of Jesus and Jesus was God incarnate, this is like our uncle. Did you catch that? I call this nuggets from Uncle Jimmy, if you want to. Um... <laughs> that was my title to the sermon, Sorry. If you like wisdom from James better or nuggets from Uncle Jimmy, uh, you, can, you can just grab hold of whatever you like there. So, uh, but this is part one, being doers of the word. The text today, uh, Alex, you can go to the next one. We can go to that passage. I'll have it up there. Yeah. So you can read along. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation um, today. James 1, 19 through 25. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves or deceiving yourselves in some other translations. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Again, that, the, the nuggets that are just contained within those few passages are amazing. We could do a whole series on that alone. And that's why I encourage you to read through this book We're not going to be at the beginning of James. If you've been in the Sunday school class, um, he's at the beginning of James where it says, consider it all joy when you go through trials. He's talking about endurance. Um, You know, we have chapter two where he's talking about uh, warning against prejudice or showing favoritism. Uh, We're going to be looking at different places in this this book. And so I encourage you to buckle up and hang on and read through it um, over these next few, few weeks. 
But listen to the huge wisdom, these, these nuggets from verse 19 alone. He says this, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. There's a three-part sermon right there. Because as human beings, this is a confrontation of us, isn't it? Because we have a hard time listening or being quick to listen. Am I the only one in the house right now? I mean, can you relate to that? Are you in an argument with somebody or a discussion, heated discussion, what we like to call them? We don't call them arguments, heated discussion. And they're moving their mouth, and you're three points ahead of them. I'm just waiting for you to stop. Boom, and you're there. And you're more quick to speak instead of being quick to listen. That is a discipline, quick to listen. That means you've got to shut down and really, really listen to what the other person is saying. Part two, slow to speak. Wow, that's hard, isn't it? Especially when you're armed. You've got it all going on. You know, I, I hate those times where you've been in a situation and you get out of the situation and you remember all the things that you wish you would have said. You ever been there? And you're just regretting it. Oh, man, I should have said this and this and this. But there's those times, and I think God does that on purpose. He helps you forget because he's trying to save you from apologies later. But what he says, slow to speak. We need to discipline ourselves to be quick to listen, slow to speak, hold off, refrain yourself. And then he says, slow to get angry. This is such practical, powerful life application. Slow to get angry. Are you easily offended? Do you get angry quickly? Let God wash over you. Then in verse 21, he says, get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. I don't really even know if you have to study the Greek on that. <laughs> what does he mean there exactly? It's the thing about James is James shoots it straight from the hip. He, has, there, he's, he does not mix words at all. Get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept what? The word God has planted in your hearts. For it what has the power to save your souls. The word of God is powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It separates flesh and spirit. God, let us hide your word in our hearts. That's why it's so important what is going on in Awana is because they're, they're getting the word in them. And obviously we want these kids not just to get the word in them and not just us to get the word in them, but to live the word out. But it has the power to save your souls. And so now we're going to key in on verses 22 through 25. That was a little setup because he says this, James is saying this, he says, you know, humbly accept the, the, the word that God has planted in your hearts. It has the power to save your soul. Um, and, and then he goes on, don't just listen to the word. Don't just listen to God's word, verse 22. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, there's that phrase again, do what it says, and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. What is James trying to say? What is he speaking here? What is the word of God speaking to us as believers as the church of the Lord Jesus? He says, you know what? We have more information and revelation than we have application. 
Did you hear that? We have more information and revelation than we have application. And he is confronting the believers back then, and there's nothing new under the sun. We are still dealing with this stuff today. Most of us are educated and informed beyond our level of obedience. Because we live, and I've shared this before, and especially in America, but we live in an age of revelation and information like never before, even in spiritual things. CDs, books, notes, the internet. You are literally clicks away from the greatest preachers on the planet. Studies, series on topics like never before. You know, there's tons of marriage resources or how to raise your kids, you know, all of these resources that are out there. We have an information overload. So what's the problem? Why why are there these epidemics in the church that marriages are suffering and families are still suffering? What's going on? And I believe that we have more education, information, revelation than we have applied obedience. We have to not just listen to the Word, but we have to do what it says and apply it to our lives. There was a story of a pastor. They had a Sunday night service, and this pastor for five weeks in a row on Sunday night preached the same message over and over and over. Got up, and people are wondering what's going on. Finally, somebody asked him, Pastor, why in the world are you preaching the same message every Sunday night? He said, when you start living that one, I'll move on to a different topic. (laughs) Convicting. We've talked about this before where countries, other countries in the world have limited access to the Word of God. If you were here the morning, I showed the video where that, that they have just translated the, uh, the Bible into, uh, it's, it's in, in, I forget where it is now, I don't even want to guess, it's kind of a big long word, but, and the people receive the word and they're, they're in tears and celebrating having the word of God in their midst. Some places you've heard the stories where they only get a page at a time and it's, and it's, and it's kind of, you know, shuffled through quietly and they have to sneak it into areas where they can have one, one page of the Bible. There was one place that was talked about where the, they, would, they would put it in the kids' shoes and socks because most people wouldn't check what, the kids, and the kids would go to their villages, and they would pull it out, and they would pass it around. It's interesting. It was kind of like this letter from James to the persecuted church in, in these regions, and these people would have one page of the Bible, and they weep at, 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 at this, this treasure that they have. In 2005, a study was done, and in the United States alone, there were approximately 500,000 Bibles sold each week. 500,000 a week in the United States alone. That's not worldwide, that's in the United States. So James is speaking to this group of believers and he's calling them out and he's challenging them. And so the word of God is it's, it's powerful for us today and so we are being called out and I'm there as much as with you as, as anything. But we have become in our day overeaters spiritually. Information overload. How do you become a spiritual overeater? It happens when our biblical and spiritual knowledge exceeds our obedience. We hear, we learn, we read, we listen, but we don't do the Word. It's like staying, standing at, your, 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 at the gas pump, which 
really high, by the way. Wow. Um, but it's like putting the gas in, and then it's overflowing, and you just keep holding it on. And then people are going, what are you doing? It's full. You drive it now. And that's kind of how we have become spiritually, is our tank is full, and God is saying, be a doer of my word. James uses this illustration. It's interesting because he says, he says this, if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. He uses the illustration of the word of God being like a mirror. A lot of times we look at the word of God as an optical illusion. I remember, you guys remember Magic Eye. Anybody have those Magic Eye books? You know, where you really look goofy, and if somebody took pictures of you, you'd be really weird because it's crossed your eyes, and you're, you know, you're, you're trying to hold it, and it's supposed to have some image, 3D image. You guys know? Am I, am I crazy? Yeah, please, thank you. I mean, you guys were leaving me hanging there for a second. I was wondering. Um, I have a theory. None of those things are true. Um, I never saw anything, so I, or rarely did I see anything. Maybe it's because I'm colorblind. That might have something to do with it. But you're, you're sitting there holding this thing, and it says, you know, hold it really close, cross your eyes, pull out about six inches, and you just stare. And you're crossing your eyes, and you're looking. And sometimes we think the Word of God, if you stare at it long enough, and you cross your eyes hard enough, that after a while, this 3D image is going to somehow morph into your head. It's like a magic eye. And then the Word of God is not like that. It's not an optical illusion. The Bible says that we are to have childlike faith. The Word of God is simply powerful. It's not difficult. It's not overcomplicated. We should dig in it. I'm not saying we shouldn't dig and read and find out what the Greek and the Hebrew say. That's great. We should meditate on it. We should memorize it. We should love it, but we should not overcomplicate it. We should receive it as the Word of truth. Again, Jesus taking that child and putting them in the midst of the disciples and says, unless you receive the kingdom of God like one of these, you will by no means enter it. The word of God is like a mirror. You know, a mirror's purpose is to accurately reflect what you look like. How many stood in front of a mirror this morning? I'll get your hands off, you know. Yeah, it's like, everybody's like, yeah, do I admit that? You know, if you, if you didn't, we probably can tell. Um, we all stand before a mirror and we're trying to, you know, especially you're getting ready for church and you're kind of doing your hair and you're brushing your teeth and you gaze into a mirror to see what needs to happen. You look, you make the adjustments needed, and then you get on with your day. But it, its purpose is to accurately reflect what you look like. You see what needs to be dealt with. It plainly shows what is actually there. The Word of God is intended to show us who we really are in light of God and who God really is. It's intended to show us who we are in the light of who God really is. If something is amiss, we don't get mad at the mirror. If you have a blemish on your face, you go, I hate that mirror. You know, every... It's still there, that mirror. What's going on with this mirror? The mirror is just simply a clear guide of showing you what you look like. It's not the mirror's fault that you have a blemish. 
The measure of Christian maturity is not what I'm doing with what I've heard. What am I doing with the Word of God? Some people are saying, well, you know, we want, we want things to be deeper. Or I'm not being fed. You know, some people will go, well, I'm not being fed at that church, so I go to a different church. As believers, especially as mature believers, we are to feed ourselves on the Word of God. Some people want deeper. The practical, powerful Word of God. This is what James says at the beginning of this. Be slow to speak. That's deep. You want depth? How's that working out for you? Slow to anger. And he says, get rid of all filth and evil in your lives. That's practical. That's deep. How do I treat others? That's depth. What kind of a worker am I? What kind of an employee am I? That's depth. Do I take advantage of people or other situations? That's depth. How do I treat my wife and my kids? You want deep? That's deep. Because the Bible has something to say about all of this. How do I honor? Does the way I live my life bring honor to God? Who am I when no one is looking? Am I dealing with some secret sin in my life that no one knows about and I try to keep hidden? Folks, that is depth. That is God trying to go deep in our hearts. You want depth? Start applying the Word of God. Mark Twain said this, it's not the part of the Bible I don't understand, but the parts I do understand that bother me. You know, a lot of time we're trying to find the, you know, the hidden meanings and what is the Greek and the Hebrew and all. Stop being mean. Stop being angry. Treat your spouse right. Treat your kids right. Be a good worker. Let the love of Jesus kind of come off of you when you go out and about your day. Who cares what the Greek or the Hebrew says if you're not doing those things? Again, I'm not saying don't dig, don't find out but apply the Word of God. We can sometimes get so super spiritual and forget the practical things of the Word of God. There'll be more of that coming in the, in the weeks ahead. James chapter 3, if you really, really want Him to shoot you, read James chapter 3. It's the power of the tongue. But again, the Word of God is intended to show us who we really are and who, in light of who God is. Do you notice that looking in a mirror doesn't change our appearance? It doesn't, we, we, we don't stand there when we wake up and you have the bed head. Somebody's got, some people's got great bed head. You don't look at yourself in the mirror and you hope that somehow dramatically the mirror changes your appearance. If you've got a mirror like that, let me know. I'd like to have one of those. That would be sweet. It shows you what needs to change. And James is saying the word of God is like a mirror. And let me say something about the Word of God. Looking into the Bible does not change our lives. The application of the Bible changes us. Looking in the Bible, studying, reading will not change your life. The application through the power of the Holy Spirit will transform you. Because when you read it or you hear a sermon or you hear a teaching, a CD, a t something on a topic that you're struggling with, you get information. 
But then there's obedient application. That's our part. Then there is transformation. See, what we like to have is information that transforms us. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to, my will is not affected. Magically, I stand there and I get the information and it changes me instantly. No, you have to apply it. Application, obedient application leads to transformation. What am I doing with the information that I get? The disciplined life, you want to talk about being a disciple of Jesus, is how do I apply what I've heard? How do I apply the information? How do I apply his word? Mirrors don't change. It reflects what is there and gives you a framework for what needs to change. That is true of the word of God. But hearing it, reading it, and studying it are all great, but transformation happens through obedient application. Obedience changes us. And James says this, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves or fool yourselves. How do we do this? It's we know it in our head without it transforming the way we live. Knowing it in your head, but it's not transforming the way you live. James 4.17, another little nugget passage. He says this, remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Did you hear that? It is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Do you have something in your life as an ought to do? Or maybe it's an ought not to do? You know what you should do you know what you ought to do or ought not to do and you're not doing it? That is how we live in deception. That is what James is saying is you will deceive yourselves. You look in the mirror and you walk away and you forget what you look like. He said, don't be just a hearer so deceiving yourselves that you have the information up here and it doesn't transform your life. Do you have an ought to do in your life today? I'm encouraging you, get that thing right with God. You know what you ought to do and you're not doing it. Obedience. Alex, go to that, uh, that, that next slide there. Flip ahead there. Keep going. One more time. Boom. I own this book. See that book? I bought that book a year before Athena and I got married because I wanted to be a special ops kind of guy. Now, I didn't want to be a special ops. I wanted to... I wanted to work out like the special ops guys. I, I bought this workout book and I began, you know, uh, reading it and studying it. And uh, I was very familiar with this book because I was intrigued by, you know, my dad was in the military. At the, I wasn't in the military at the time. And, uh, you know, I had met a couple of guys that were in the special forces. And, you know, these guys are just, I mean, they've got muscles on top of muscles. You know what I mean? And I thought, man, those guys have it going on. Special ops workout book. The elite exercise program inspired by the United States Special Operations Command. Cue the uh, cool music. You know, you guys are with me. I knew this book, and, 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 I, and I read it through, and, and I could give you workouts. The only problem is I only did it for about two months because it was really hard. <laughs> there's, a, there's a thing in there, the running thing. I had, the running thing was okay. I didn't mind the running thing. I could do that. I was 
in halfway okay shape from college days, but man, the other stuff was difficult. So it lasted for about two months. Needless to say, I know you guys are surprised, but I didn't have the special ops body that I was uh, training for, you know. Um, But I knew this book. I mean, I could walk you through some of the workout routines because they have phases in the book. Phase one, you get through phase one, which I never did, by the way. You graduate to phase two, to phase three, and then there's phase four, which is completely insane. And, you know, only people in the military should be able to know how to do that stuff. But it's funny because here's what I did. I started getting into phase one because they say start at the beginning. They tell you that. But you know what you do. I flip to the end. I'm going to try a few of these calisthenics and for about five minutes. I'm like, okay, back to phase one. But I could walk you through, and and again, I was going to bring that book, but I can't find it anywhere. I'm pretty sure it's in my house somewhere, probably stuck in a box at the bottom of a box somewhere that hasn't been unpacked since we, you know, moved here from the military. And so I had to find a picture of it on the internet, but that is the book that 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 I own. And I knew this book, I knew the workouts of this book, but the only problem is I didn't apply it to my life. In fact, I could tell you the workouts in the book. I could walk you through it. But if you're looking at me and you're thinking, well, I don't see it affecting your life much, especially during that time where, you know, we got married and, you know, and I started having wedding weights, you know, you know what I'm talking about, you know, and it's all of a sudden I've got this book and, I, and I'm looking and I know I need to do it, but it is just, there's no application in my life whatsoever. Then Athena gets pregnant with Taylor, and I get the sympathy thing, and she's sick, and I'm gaining weight. And so, you know, uh, I'm just, I'm just, I have the sympathy, and so I eat with her a lot. So, um, but I still got that book. And it's funny, because during that time, I could have taken that book and maybe did a seminar on that book, How to Be a Special Ops Trained you know, individual, and I could have maybe rented a place and maybe told people how to do it. But you know what the first thing they're going to ask? What are you doing? How's that working out for you? You don't look like a special ops person to me. Because it has nothing to do with the information here. It has everything to do with the application, how it applies to my life, and how it's transforming my life. You can go ahead and shutter that before I get convicted and pull that book out some other time. So, yeah, shutter it down. Alex, thank you. My man Alex back there running my overheads. Thanks, man. It doesn't work unless you apply it. It isn't how much word you know, but how much word you do. I can quote it but do I live it out practically every day? I can go to messages, I I can hear messages, I can go to conferences, I can listen to CDs, I can read articles on marriage or parenting, but that does not make me have a better marriage or better family. It's applying it. It's living it out. Because again, the application is the day-to-day discipline. It's doing it when you don't feel like doing it. Matthew 7, everybody's familiar with this. Jesus is giving this parable about a wise and a foolish builder. The wise 
and foolish builders uh, you know, are, are building their, the, these homes. But listen to how it reads out, verse 24 of Matthew 7. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise like a person who builds a house on the solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it's built on rock. Listen to this, though. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish like a person who builds a house on the sand. When the rain and floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Did you hear that story? You've heard it before, but both individuals heard the message. They both heard the word. They both heard the truth. One applied it and the other one did not. One applied it and built their house on the rock, the foundation of Jesus Christ, the living word and his word. And it says the rains came because we're going to experience rains and floods. In this world you will have trouble, Jesus said. But what is your house founded on? What is your house built on? What is your life built on today? Because the other person heard it also, but did not apply it, did not obey what it said. And they suffered the consequences of their failed application and obedience. We won't be judged on what we heard, but what we applied and obeyed to what we heard. Did we apply it? Did we obey it? So how do we apply it? I'm closing with this. How do we walk this out practically? Because, you know, you can hear this message, like me, you know, you read it, and it feels a little bit overwhelming. God, how am I doing the word? How am I at practically applying your word today in my life? Well, I want to encourage you with something. Apply one thing this week. Apply one thing. Grab a hold of one thing that God is speaking to you. What is he dealing with you about? Like James 4, 17, this is sin when you know what you ought to do and then you don't do it. What, are, what is one of those ought to do's that you should be doing? Apply it this week. Get to work on it. I'm not talking about works unto salvation. I'm, not, I'm talking about transformational works becoming, that help us become more and more like Jesus Christ. Because also in a couple weeks, we're going to be dealing with what James says, that you need faith and works. We are called to do works, not faith alone. Faith without works is dead faith. You have to, have, uh, you have to apply it in your life. But work on one thing this week. Allow the word to change you, to become more and more like him. What does the word of God say about anger if you're dealing with anger? What does the word of God say about that? Find out. Apply it to your life. What does the word of God say about lust and sexual immorality? Do we just hear it and don't apply it and don't obey it? What is God saying to you? What does the word of God say about those things? What does the word of God say about our attitude? Our complaining? Our gossip? Our pride? Our selfishness? What does the Word of God say about marriages? What kind of a husband should I be? What kind of a wife, lady, should you be? What is God speaking to you about your family? What kind of a parent should you be? Kids, what kind of a, a child you, should you be? What does the Word of God say about that? 
What does the Word of God say about how we should live lives of integrity on our jobs? What are we doing with our employment? How do we treat others? What does the Word of God say about honoring others, living a life of honor? What is God speaking to you? Start applying. Just one thing. Go after one thing. Because if you allow yourself to be overwhelmed of, you know, I just have so much going on and I feel broken and, you know, and I'm just, you know, I have so many things, you know what? You'll never change. You'll just deal with the same stuff over and over and over again. But the Holy Spirit wants to walk with you through making us more like Jesus Christ saying, I'm going to get victory in this area and I'm going to start working on it and I'm going to be diligent. I'm going to, be, I'm going to obey it and I'm going to apply it in my life. And you begin to get victory. And then there's another area because guess what? We get to work on things for the rest of our lives. But it's his great joy to walk alongside you in relationship with you. Jesus doesn't leave us alone. He's not up there with a big ruler waiting for you to misstep so he can whack you over the head. He wants to walk alongside you and say, I want to change you from glory to glory. I want you to be an overcomer. I want you to be more than a conqueror. I want you to walk in victory and not have to deal with these things over and over and over again in your life. But don't let that, the shame and the condemnation of that overwhelming feeling get on you because you won't change. Because we're all broke and we need Jesus and his word. Be courageous to live it out. Work on one thing this week. Love someone if you're having a problem. Obey, serve, do the word. Let it actively work in your life. Do what God's telling you to do. Courageously follow and apply it. And I tell you, your life will begin to be transformed from glory to glory. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we we love you today, and we just thank you, God, for the wisdom of your word. Thank you for the power of your word, that your word is so rich and so full of things that, that, that help us on this journey we call life. And Lord, today we don't want to just again hear the word. Lord, we can come week in and week out. Lord, even myself, Lord God, I can study and get ready for a message and then just week in, week out miss the application. Lord, I pray, God, that we would not just hear it, we would do it. We will be obedient to your word that we would apply it to our lives and we would actively obey, Lord, as we have information, we would have obedient application so that we can walk in transformation by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, forgive us for the times that we've not done that, that we've just been hearers. God, help us to be doers. Help us to go out and love someone, serve someone, obey your word. Lord God, I pray for victory for people's lives, God, no matter what they're dealing with. Lord, we all have those things in our lives, those ought-to-dos, as as, as your word says. I pray, Lord, that you would give us victory. Knowing what we ought to do and not doing it, Lord, let us transition that to knowing what we ought to do and then doing it. I pray for a greater victory in marriages. I pray for a greater victory in individual lives. I pray for victory in families. Lord, I pray, God, that we would walk as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, living out your word, 
and so that people would see that we are living the word and not just saying it. Because, Lord, if our lives don't reflect that you're doing something in us, Lord God, that, that makes us hypocrites. Lord, let them see something different in us that we are living your word day to day. Lord, I pray your grace over each person in this room. Lord, even as it was a challenging word, it's an encouraging word. We don't have to go out of here feeling guilty of anything, but Lord, saying, I want to live out the word of God. And I pray your grace over every hearer of the word today. Your grace over their life, your grace over their mind and their heart. Lord, we love you today and we thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name. Amen.